Welcome to HB RV Lifestyle, the podcast. As always, I am the Honey Badger, and I'm going to be extremely transparent about the RV world. So that's camping, fishing, motorhomes, travel trailers, toy haulers. <clears throat> and today I want to debunk a few things. Now, my throat's still a little scratchy, my nose is stuffed because I've got an allergy attack, but we're going to go at it. Quick two announcements. First off, very good news. I'm going to a daily podcast show now. It's no longer weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whenever I have time. I now have set aside time every single day, every single evening uh, to record an episode for you guys. And I think that'll help with a little more consistency uh, within the show itself. I want to make two things perfectly clear. <clears throat> I am very pissed off at the RV manufacturers. I am extremely unhappy with the way they're treating dealerships, okay? The way they're treating customers right now. And I'm not talking about in service, I'm just talking about as a general public. And let me explain to you why. <clears throat> Pardon my coughing, good Lord. First things first, I'm going to use RPOD as an example because they're probably one of the worst offenders of this. So back in June, let's go back just, actually let's go a little further back then. Let's go back to last year, 2022. It was the second most RVs built on record and shipped out on record. But fat. Go back a little bit further. Every single RV dealership went through a bloodbath, a retail bloodbath. Now, that bloodbath is still going on in some states. For example, California is such a screwed up market right now, it's not even funny. In fact, I don't think California's hit rock bottom yet in the RV business. But most of the other states already had this halt on RV buying. Interest rates are going up. 2022 product was way more expensive than anything in 2023 year model or 2021. So dealers were having to make a decision. They're either gonna go out of business, sell their products, uh, sell their dealership, or lose money to sell them. And by the way, there was no factory help. So if you guys have an understanding about how the RV business works, when the factory ships out inventory, they give the dealers no cash to work with. So when aged pieces of inventory, oh yeah, I'll give you 500 bucks. Yeah, but the trailer's 18 grand priced out of the market. Well, that doesn't matter, figure it out. Lose the money, that's what their attitude is. So the manufacturers of RVs, they don't care about the dealer. They care about the customer, but they don't care about the dealership. They don't care about their dealer partners. In fact, in their mind, I'll just go to the guy down the street. And that's pretty much how the majority of general managers, the majority of people in that side of the industry think. And if you wanna know how I know that, it's because I worked for Coachman. I worked for Coachman, Clipper, and Viking. Now, while my manager, Doug, was not like that, it was more or less, I would listen to conversations 
and I won't name names, I won't name brands, that's unfair, and I'll probably get blacklisted for saying it, but the conversations just disgusted me. Like, without the dealerships, they wouldn't be able to sell product to anybody. Now, if in their mind it's better just to have everybody be Camping World, fine. Don't help dealers out. Let them go all out of business. And that's what it started to look like last year that Camping World and Blue Compass and General RV and Lazy Days were just buying up all these places, Bish's RV, just buying up all these places. And yet, they were the worst offenders with inventory. They would they turned off the faucet on the manufacturers last year. Okay. Now that that's been said, June of this year, they started a huge social media campaign that was pushing you, the consumer, to ask the dealer when 2024s were coming in so they could see the new changes. And if you're not watching this on YouTube, I just use air quotation marks. So the reality is, watch this folks, the reality is they made no changes. Maybe little ones here and there. But our pod is probably the worst offender of them all. The reason why our pod is the worst offender and worst liar in the industry is because they changed absolutely nothing. Same color cabinets, same graphics, same floor plans, same options. All they did was increase the price. Now it wasn't dramatic, but there was a price increase. So, you know, there were a couple of manufacturers out there that did something a little different. Ibex went out and made a half-ass park model. And I'm sorry, buddy, if you're watching this. I love you to death. You know who I'm talking to. He's a really good friend of mine, and he's a rep of the Ibex. But let's face it, brother. Your product sucks right now. It doesn't sell, and now you came up with some weird half-ass park model. That's not, that's not the business, dude, and I'm sorry. Um, you, you know, when I, when I sit back and I think about things like, what is the business right now? The business is travel trailers that are lightweight, semi-small, and that dealerships can get payments of 250 bucks or less a month on. How do we get there? Well, you need to cut the inventory invoice back down like you did at the end of 2009 and the end of 2016. You guys still haven't done that. The manufacturer still hasn't done that. Oh yeah, well, you know, we did come out with these uh, small little 17B floor plans like the Coleman and uh, they landed the deal a lot for 13 grand out west. Okay, that doesn't help me. That's been around forever. Camping World has had the 17B Coleman for four years now. Originally 9.95, now 
14995 come on guys i mean let's be realistic it's nothing new so nobody did anything innovative this year outside of one manufacturer that i know of which is salem they came out with an all glass exterior called the salem view yeah that was smart that was a stupid idea i know people hate me for saying that but this Salem view, I'm telling you, is going to have, you're going to have people trading it in left and right. Yes, it is gorgeous that has all these windows. Let me tell you, this Salem view is gorgeous and a hell of a concept. But let's be practical for a second. Unless you live in an area that's 75 degrees every single day of the week and every night of the week and every day of the year, that's not going to work. So all those windows are just going to leak heat, reflect the sun, and bring in the cold. So imagine you're out in the desert with one of these Salem views. Or you're in an area that has intense sunlight up in the mountains like the Eastern Sierras or the Rockies or somewhere in Florida, maybe on the beach. And that sun hits all of those windows. Can you imagine the boiler it's going to be inside that travel trailer? I don't think anybody thought ahead when they made this thing. I think they were just all pretty much stupid. Like, I wouldn't call it stupid. Let's retract that. In my opinion, my professional opinion, they were desperate. Manufacturers grew very desperate. Now, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. My old boss, we call him Red. He had a meeting when I worked with him and worked, worked for him. We had a meeting where we all went to the factory. And we all came up with these concepts of changing the floor plans around to make them better for 2024. Now, unfortunately, I could not stick it out. I ran out of money, couldn't stick around my dream job. It's just an unfortunate thing. Now, what I would tell you is that Red implemented most of those changes. So there are a couple of brands like Clipper, Viking, um, like Riverstone Fifth Wheels that came out with something innovative, changing a floor plan taking a concept of a floor plan and manipulating it to make something new and take a risk. So between Doug and Red, they took a huge risk and a big gamble on a couple things. And to me, it's gonna pay off for them in the end. But the majority of these manufacturers have lied to you. The majority of the brands are lying to the public, telling you that they made a bunch of changes. And let me tell you why they lied. The reason why they lied was out of fear and desperation. So this entire manipulation occurred because they are not getting orders from dealers. They're not. Production is way down. There are brands out there that are still sh are shut down right now and not building. There's some that are open two days a week, maybe three days a week. 
they're not getting the orders because dealers are overstuffed with inventory. So, like a bunch of dummies and like a bunch of bad business people, instead of dealing with the inventory on the dealer's lots and taking control of the inventory and taking control and getting it out of the dealer's lot. Meaning, here's what I mean by that. Shockwave toy haulers is the worst offender of this. In order for me to sell shockwave toy haulers here at my dealership, I've had to take between a seven and $10,000 loss to get within what the market brings. Meaning consumers are willing to spend X amount of dollars because it matches their payment. So I've had to take between seven and $8,000, $10,000 losses to move the inventory. Now, instead of Forest River, Shockwave itself, covering that expense and going, okay, guys, thank you so much for moving the inventory. Here's a check for five grand. We'll cover half of the cost of the loss. They're like, well, we'll give you 750 bucks if you put another order in. Well, how does putting another order in help me with the units on the lot? Let's be real. It doesn't. No offense to these guys, but this is the, the capitalism is good and greed is good. But intense greed is going to cause this industry to collapse on the manufacturer level. Not on the dealer level. Dealers are all going to survive. The ones that have survived so far till today are going to be fine. You're going to still have a few that have already started the process of going out of business that haven't finished yet. But the ones that are in place right now, they're going to do what it takes to survive. Most of them are going to go to auctions and buy used. Most of them are going to buy street buys and buy used to keep inventory. Dealerships do not need the manufacturers to stay alive. The manufacturers need the dealers to stay alive and they need to wake up because if the manufacturers don't wake up and smell the coffee and I'm looking at you Mr. Pete Legal and Mr. Bob Martin and Mr. Doug Lemon I'm looking at you guys I'm looking at Winnebago I'm looking at Newmar if you guys don't start writing checks to the dealers to help them move the inventory that's on their lot if you think this year was bad, wait until next year. It's going to be worse. And if you think that dealerships are going to sell more trailers next year than they did this year, I want what you're smoking. Because it ain't going to happen. Especially when your three biggest markets are down more than 38% in retail sales over 2022. And they are down 61% over 2021 and down 67% over 2020. We are back to numbers in the retail side in the three biggest markets, not everywhere. Three biggest markets, Texas, California, Florida, three biggest markets. Those three markets 
are back to 2010 and 11 retail numbers. By the way, those three states represent 41% of the retail business in the RV world. 41%, that's almost half, guys. So if you think those three states are gonna randomly have a boom year during an election year, you better go look at yourself in the mirror and realize you guys screwed this up. You screwed it up because, well, we got to keep our workers going. Your, your workers are sitting there by a thread right now. What makes you think that you're not going to lose them now? You can, look, guys, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm going to beat this over the head. I've probably beaten this over the head so many times. Look. Bottom line is, if somebody wrote a check last year at the end of 2022 to help every dealership get out of their inventory, you wouldn't be in this mess. But you wait till, you still haven't done anything. You bailed out Bish's RV, that didn't help you get orders. But if you wrote the check, to every single single location for 10%, 15% of invoice, you wouldn't be in this situation. So I don't feel bad for any manufacturers right now. I would love to work on that side of the business again. I don't feel bad for them though. This is a self, it's like a self-inflicted gunshot wound. I mean, this is all on them. This has nothing to do with you, the consumer, and has nothing to do with me, the dealer. The consumer is just being smarter. They're like, man, I, this is what I can afford monthly. I'm not going to double it just because the company, just because the manufacturer went up and doubled it. It makes no sense, right? So that that's the end of that rant and rave and all that stuff. So. That's where I sit when it comes to the manufacturers. Now let's talk about something that's on a lot of people's minds right now. And that is, why are campgrounds getting stricter with the age limit? <clears throat> this is going to hurt, okay? So I talked, I, I I'm actually was trying to find a space for a customer uh, that lives in Las Vegas. I'm in a little city called Pahrump, which is about an hour drive from the Las Vegas, Nevada Strip. And I was trying to find this young lady uh, a spot anywhere in Vegas. And there was, oh, 16 parks I called, I think it was, 16 or 17 parks. And those parks, basically stated to me that if you're not a 2016 or 17 or newer, they're going to put you at the back of the list. So those that have had a trailer or a motorhome for 15, 20 years, it's still in good working condition. It's going to get really hard to find spots. It's getting harder and harder because they're getting stricter and stricter because there isn't enough RV parks out there. There isn't enough campgrounds out there 
with full hookups. So I have a solution to this. This is a, this is a solution I was talking to a customer about yesterday. Now this doesn't help people that want to live in one in a park, but this is for those that like to travel in them. So let's say you have like a 10 or $15,000 budget. You want a fifth wheel. You buy a nice 06, 07, 08, nice looking fifth wheel, good shape. Everything works. I would buy a generator, a big generator, and a big secondary fuel station for that generator. You're going to buy a portable, okay? And the next thing I would do is throw a bunch of solar. I would throw anywhere between 330 and 660 watts of solar and put a small uh, inverter for two of the plug outlets. And the reason why I'm telling you to do this is because then when you go to, there, there's a lot of off-grid non-hookup sites that it doesn't matter what the age of the RV is. If you go up into Bishop, California, June Lake, California, you go up to parts of Bryce Canyon uh, in Utah, uh, you go to parts of Death Valley, you head up towards north of Reno and Tahoe area, there's a lot of campsites that are not RV parks or RV resorts, that it doesn't matter what age your fifth wheel is. Now, the exceptions to that are like some state parks have tougher restrictions depending on your area. I know Oregon and Washington have very tough restrictions. California is a little more lenient. If you're on the East Coast, I don't know you as well, but <clears throat> this is, Something I believe, uh, let's see, okay. this is something I believe uh, is going to help resolve this whole age of the trailer, age of the motorhome situation. Um, the reason I believe that is because they're not going to restrict people from paying their 20 bucks or 25 bucks to go to like Kachuma Lake. Like I can take any RV, any age I want to Kachuma Lake, as long as it's not in the plug-in area, and I can dry camp right on the lake, have, I, I always bring extra water anyway, but take camping showers, and <clears throat> just, I, I always made sure I brought an extra bottle of propane and extra stuff, just in case. If you're prepared like that, it doesn't matter what age you buy. You could go buy a 1970s motorhome, maybe a Chieftain or a Brave from Winnebago. Maybe you like those style of those retro RVs. Then at that point, that will resolve the age part. And if you want to go to a national park or a state park that has a restriction on the age, there are plenty of dry camping areas outside of the national parks that you can go to. So make sure you check into that. I think that's gonna be the next evolution of RV camping. I truly believe that we are gonna go more and more off grid um, than we have prior. I really do. I think this is gonna be one of those situations where off grid camping is going to start being the norm 
because it's getting more and more expensive to purchase something cash. There's a lot of guys out there. Look, I have a YouTube channel. <clears throat> the regular channel is HBRV Lifestyle. Pardon me. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, and that channel, I talk a lot about, about financing and why paying cash may not be the best option for you. But there are people out there that screw you. I'm not going to listen to you. You're full of crap. I'm going to pay cash. Cash is king. Cash will give me the best deal. No, cash doesn't get you the best deal, but cash will get you something that you feel like you can afford. That's the difference, right? But we need those type of people and we can't just let stuff just rot away. I guess is the point I'm trying to make. We can't let we, we can't let this stuff just sit and rot because it's getting old. We already have a bunch of cars that we've scrapped in the world, um, recycled. There's scrapyards full of older cars, older RVs. It's only going to get worse as time goes on if we don't find a solution to this, which I think the solution is off-grid camping. Now, the other part that I think is going to help resolve it <clears throat> is we're starting to see more wineries, museums, uh, theme parks, fairgrounds. Uh, we're starting to see more and more, I'm not going to call off-grid, I'm going to call it unusual campsites. Give you an example. In California and Napa Valley, there are a ton of wineries that are pushing a campaign out there to have RVers come and camp and, and do wine tastings. And a lot of them are like charging like 15 bucks a night or 20 bucks a night. You know, there's no hookups, but they have dump stations. So imagine you could stop for a couple of nights, dump your black and gray tanks, go enjoy some wine, stay a couple of days up in the fresh air and the on uh, the vines and the vi vineyards. <clears throat> to me, that's just that's a great alternative, and and they don't again another one of those things where they don't care about the age of your unit. Um, the the other concept we need to that I, i've been thinking about is like i've started to find some of these fairgrounds these county and state fairgrounds that are starting to allow people to camp in the parking lot or camp out in the open field area as long as the actual fair is not going on so i saw on my drive up to oregon um can't remember what county i was in it wasn't nye county i think it was um Lawrence County or something of that nature up in northern Nevada. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yeah, I can't remember. But anyway, I was up there and I stopped for gas. And there's a small, well, it's, not, it's small compared to what I'm used to, but there's a fairgrounds area. And it was jam-packed full of RVs and people camping. And when I kind of walked out there, I wish I had filmed it. I was such an idiot. I was such in a rush. I should have filmed this thing. 
But when I was out there, um, they were chalked lines 40 feet, I think 45 or 46 feet long by 18 or 19 feet wide. And they put the picnic benches that they normally use for the fair, they put them out there in every single camp spot. I was like, that's brilliant. And there were, and I saw some newer motorhomes and newer toy haulers and stuff like that there. But the majority of what I saw there was older 80s, 90s, early 2000s um, RVs, trailers, fifth wheels. It was nice to see. It, it was like, okay, that's an alternative. That might work. That is probably the next evolution of how we're going to continue this American tradition. Because this is a very American thing, guys. I mean, I have fans on TikTok YouTube, Instagram from all over the world, um, a lot of Muslim countries, a lot of Islam, Islamic countries, Saudi Arabia. Uh, I have people from Australia, India, China, Japan, lots of people in Russia. So I have fans all over the world. I am world renowned. That's a joke, by the way. Um, and, and it was just my thought process like, we're going to save RV camping. It's, it's not going to turn into something that's just for the ultra rich. It's going to keep to be a middle class America tradition. And I believe the way that it's going to be saved is through those alternative campgrounds. And watch this, just like I said earlier. In, an, in the earlier segment is off-grid preparation. Um, what was the other thing? I'm trying to think what the other thing was. The other thing, what was the other campsite I was looking at the other day? Oh, I can't think. Oh, I remember. So there is a lot of mountain off-grid camping where you get what they call like a wilderness pass was one of the examples. That's the San Bernardino Mountains. Um, but there's something like that in almost every single state that has some kind of forest or mountain area where you can camp at a non-traditional campsite just off the side of the road as long as you pay for this pass or this permit. And I'm like, my God, there's going to be all kinds of alternatives that are going to be around for a very, very long time. Okay. <clears throat> Last topic for today's episode is I'm getting a lot of interesting questions about especially from first-time buyers, it seems like we're getting another wave uh, of first-time buyers. Now, this month has been very different for me because I've taken a bunch of trade-ins, which, I, I, I mean, I, what do I count on the board? One, two, three, four, five. I've taken seven trade-ins this month, which that's usually not too normal. That isn't quite the norm. 
But, <laughs> and there is a but, the reality is that there's a lot of first-time buyers that are in the market right now just starting to do their homework. So I wanted to give you some pointers to this. The first pointer I really want to give you is if you have never bought a car before, you're a young man, young lady, young whatever you want to identify as, you are a young person who has two pieces of two credit cards to your name, three credit cards, no car, no car loans, no mortgages, no boat loans, no leases. Okay, gotcha. Go join a credit union. I told a young man this today. I said, go join a credit union and do it now. So let's say you're going to buy in April of 2024. That's your plan. You're going to get your tax return and you're like gung-ho to do this. Okay, great. Go join a credit union today. Sock a bunch of money in there as much as you can. And a bunch can be 500 bucks. It could be 10 grand. Whatever a bunch of money would be for you to be able to save. And that way you have enough down payment. And then open up a signature card with your credit union. When you make six months of payments on that signature card, it boosts your credit score. And when it boosts your credit score, it's going to help the bank, the credit union, give you your first time buyer loan on an RV. Now, normally this amount of money is usually between twenty dollars and $30,000. They typically don't go more than that. Some will, some won't. That's kind of a guideline. But then you go get a, a letter that says how much you're pre-approved for. And you go get what I call a hard pre-approval. means you let them run your credit. You give them your paycheck stubs. You give them all the things they're going to need. And then they give you a hard letter that says, you're approved for this amount of money. And now make it easier for you to shop and look for something you like. Now, normally, now, this backfires because people are going to get pissed at me, their finance manager or dealers. But let me tell you something. If first-time buyers are, that, that haven't bought anything on credit yet are going to be a big majority of what we're going to see next year, then you we need to give people this advice because it's hard to get RV loans. It's not an easy thing. I just had literally a, a young lady with an 804 credit score, perfect credit all the way around. Perfect. Perfect on their car loans looking for a small amount of money. She's borrowed more in the past. She's had three mortgages, all good, never late, no credit card debt, and they turned her down. <clears throat> Everybody turned her down. So it's hard enough. So if we give you an advantage to be able to go, okay, I'm 22 years old and I want to go get my first RV. I want to get a travel trailer. I have a truck I paid cash for. I want to go get a, 
alone on a travel trailer, go become a member of a credit union. Now I'm going to piggyback on that one more, one little bit. And that piggyback is if you're in the military and you have never bought anything on credit like a car, a boat, a house, things of that nature, make sure you become a member of Navy Federal and USAA. And again, same thing, get USAA and Navy Federal to give you an approval letter that gives you a dollar amount that you can spend that you are hard approved for, and then let's go shopping. Now, if you already have had car loans, you've already had mortgages, this does not apply to you. The only reason to go to your credit union is to kind of get a gauge of what interest rates are. The dealerships can get you loans, no problem. This advice is mainly for people who have never bought anything on credit, like a big purchase like this. So I wanna make sure that that's clear. Now, with that being said, when you have an influx of first-time buyers into a market, <clears throat> when that occurs and you're a first-time buyer in the market, first-time buyer anything, including a car, it's your first major purchase, and you have that letter that gives you the dollar amount, don't be too picky. Because the best advice I can give you is if you give the dealership and I'm talking about every dealership you visit. If you give the salesperson or the owner or whatever the case may be, if you give them some kind of parameters of kind of what you're looking at, you're never going to get 100% you want when you're limited on amount of money. Okay? And that's okay. We can't get the first car we want. We can't go out and buy the $400,000 Lamborghini on credit when we've never owned a car before. That's not how it works. We get what we can afford and what they'll approve you for as long as it fits within a couple of parameters. So for example, don't expect to be able to buy a $300,000 fifth wheel or motorhome for 30 grand. Go out, make yourself a list. I always tell people, take a, take a piece of paper and write down every single thing that you would like to have and then cross out the things that are not needed. And then you'll get a list. Usually you can narrow that down to three to five items. And it's easier to find something within the three to five items than it is to find something in a 15 item or 16 item list. Because most of the time it doesn't exist. It's very rare that somebody has 17 or 18 things on a list and, the, and one unit's going to have it all. It, it's just... It's not feasible. So just make sure that you're not, you, you take off the picky hat and you're like, okay, let's keep our eyes wide open. You know, we're gonna, this is a credit builder. We're gonna make three, four years of payments on this thing. And then we're gonna have the ability to trade up. See, that's the beauty about credit, guys. I know that there's a lot of people out there that say, cash is king, 
you can't, you shouldn't buy it unless you can afford it in cash. Okay. I, I, I was taught the same thing, but the reality is, is you can't upgrade very easily when you keep paying cash for stuff. You live in a very limited mind frame and a very limited lifestyle. Now you shouldn't go hog wild either, guys. I'm not one that goes, go buy whatever the best thing you can on credit is going to be. No, there, there, there's, a, there's somewhere in between. What I teach and I preach on my regular YouTube channel is I preach to people that cash down is king. So if, let's say you have a hundred grand to spend on an RV, but what you find that works for you is 150. Put 50 down and finance the hundred. Put 75 down and finance 75. You can always sell the motorhome later. You always sell the RV if you need the cash, but at least you'll have 75 grand in your pocket. You'll be in an equity position on the motorhome and you still have a lot of cash in the bank to do with whatever you want. See, people don't know that the reality of the world is, is you're supposed to use your cash to increase your livelihood. Meaning, Cash is not supposed to be spent, it's supposed to be used. So when I go and use cash, I use cash to pay my debts. I use my debts to buy my equipment. I use it to buy gasoline for the car, hotels for the trips I have to take uh, for work. And I use cash, use cash to pay off the debts. That's, what, that, that's how money really works. If you're a young person listening to this, take heed to these words. Cash is not king. Cash is crap. Cash is trash. Use cash to pay off your debts. Use debts to build up your livelihood. Don't use debts on things that suck. Don't go buy a $50,000 ring. You know, I always tell people like, don't go buy a $200,000 car just because you can. Wait till you have the ability to do it. So there, there are some aspects that I do like about cash buyers. When I have a cash buyer that's looking for something like 15, 16 grand, I love those guys because most of the time I can't finance those type of trailers. But even then, I still tell them, hey, man, instead of just giving me the cash, go get a personal loan from your bank. And they all look, everybody looks at me strange when I tell them that. It's like, hey, man, why don't you look into a personal loan before you bring me the cashier's check? Give me a deposit today. Give me $1,000, $1,500. And then when you come back, you'll bring me a cashier's check one way or the other. You're either going to bring it from a personal loan you're going to get. You're going to bring it from your bank account. doesn't matter. Debt is okay. As long as it's done responsibly and it's done for the betterment of your future. Okay. R RVs, great investment for the future for your memories, your peace of mind, your relaxation. Boats, eh, it depends on the boat, but boats can be the same thing. Sports cars are all about ego, right? 
ego and status. That doesn't help you in life. Okay. I've made a, I've made a lot of money in my lifetime. I, I mean, you'd never know it because I don't have anything to show for it because taxes just ripped me to death forever because I didn't understand how money worked until about three years ago. But I drive around in a Hyundai. Could I go afford to go buy a big, huge truck? Sure. Is it the responsible thing to do right now when my car runs perfectly fine? No. My Cougar fifth wheel, I'm glad I bought that because that has been a godsend. That thing has increased our livelihood. That thing has increased the ability to make money in the future. It's also grown memories and grown fondness and grown, grown the family closer. My daughters and my wife, it's grown them closer. So there's, there, 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 we just have to be really just smart about things. That's all. Okay. That's it for this evening. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.